Praise God. Good morning, everyone. How y'all doing? Good, 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 good. Are you having a good Christmas season? Y'all having a good Christmas season? I hope you are. I hope you are. Brother Stevens, that's a nice jacket. <laughs> I like that. Very nice. Um, I'm having a great season, and I definitely know is because I've been confessing that this is going to be a great Christmas season for me. Your words do matter. Amen. Amen. And I want you to understand that. Um, the Lord is good, and his mercy endures forever. Our young adults are having a Christmas gala, so I assume that's where they all are planning their gala. <laughs> um, we literally are grateful for our young adults and the uh, things that they're doing together and um, how they're advancing. Thank you, Jesus. We should pray for them and pray that they will continue to increase and continue to bring life to Winners Church. Amen? Amen. Praise God. Um, we're going to get right into the Word of God. And um, we are in a series called Celebrate. Uh, Pastor Patrick kicked it off, did a great job talking about we need to celebrate our value. And um, last week I continued with a two-part, I don't know if it's going to be three-part, I think this is it, two-part message, Celebrating Forever. And I told you how I got the message and the Lord brought it back to a revelation he gave me in 2012 about the forever principle. And we started out with John 14, verse 15 to 18. This is Jesus talking to his disciples at the Last Supper. They didn't just eat, they had a conversation, they sang, and they talked. And one of the things he said to them in verse 15 says, if you love me, keep my commandments. He's talking to his 12. And I will pray the Father, or I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper. The King James says, comforter, the more English translation says helper, that he may abide with you, what? Forever. That he may abide with you forever. The spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you. How was he coming to them? In the person of the Holy Spirit. He's going to die, go to the cross, be resurrected, um, put his blood in the mercy seat, then be on the earth for a little bit, and then finally ascend into heaven. And then he said, you're not going to be orphans. I know you've had me for three and a half years. I'm your guy. I'm your brother. I'm your father. I'm your king. I'm your savior. I'm your Lord. And you're going to miss me. But you don't have to feel orphanless. Because I'm going to send another helper, another comforter. And it's going to be the spirit of Christ the Spirit of the Father, my Spirit. Amen? And so, um, Jesus says, and he will remain with you forever. So Jesus is reintroducing this forever principle with his disciples. That it's not a temporary um, visitation of the Holy Spirit. He's going to, he's with you right now, but when you get born again, after I go to the cross and I'm resurrected, he's going to live within you forever. And so all of us have the Holy Spirit living within us forever. Amen? When you get to heaven, the Holy Spirit will say, well, it was nice being with you. See you later. <laughs> no. The Holy Spirit, you are the temple of the Holy Spirit forever. You're the temple of God forever. It's never going to change. Never, never, never. And the new heaven and new earth comes, you're going to still have the Holy Spirit living inside of you. And so it's very important that we celebrate that, that we know that, and rejoice in that. To have the Spirit of God living inside of you is a big thing. Big, big, big thing. Um, okay, and so we went over um, what that means and how that means that you are... So the first point we wrote down was we're celebrating the permanent presence of the Holy Spirit. And then we looked also into Ephesians 1, 13 to 14, when Paul says, In him you also trusted after you heard the word of truth, the gospel or the good news of your salvation, in whom also having believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is the guarantee of our inheritance unto the redemption of the purchased possession to the praise of his glory. 
So we begin to talk about what the purchase possession is. Does anybody remember what the purchase possession is that we said last week? Yeah. With the purchase possession, but what is the actual purchase possession that we're waiting for? A glorified body. A glorified body. Does anybody remember that? You're waiting for a glorified body. So one day you're going to have a body that doesn't get sick, that doesn't have disease, that operates supernaturally, and it never gets old. No one here is going to have gray hair. Sorry, Pastor Michelle. <laughs> she has gray hair by, by choice, but no one is going to have gray hair. Do you understand that? Gray hair is not going to be, there won't be no beautiful leaves in heaven. Did you know that? There will be no leaves on the new earth. There will be no fall season. Do you, do you know that? Oh, you guys don't know this? Come on. Let me break it down for Mia. <laughs> do you know why we have a fall season, Mia? Because God said there's going to be seasons. The earth, there will be seed time and harvest. And he said it's going to be all these seasons. But do you know when he said there's going to be seasons? He said this after man sinned. After man fell. Did you know that, Pastor Samantha? Yes. He said it after the fall of man. Do you know why leaves turn color? Does anybody know? It seems beautiful. Yeah. Oh, this sounds real smart. They lose the what? The, glor the chloroform? The chlorophyll. They what? Lose the chlorophyll. There's no losing in the presence of God in heaven, the perfect world. In other words, it enters a death cycle. That's why the leaves turn color. It looks beautiful, but in reality, it's not very beautiful. It's actually dying. None of that's going to be happening in the new heaven and new earth. You'll never see another changing of the... There'll be colors, don't get me wrong. But you're going to see something dying, losing chlorophyll. All right? Same thing with your body. Your body's not going to be old. It's going to change. If, you've, if you're a dreamer, you've dreamt about a loved one or a spiritual mentor or a father or mother that's gone before you, I guarantee you, you've seen them younger. You didn't see them in their old age, unless God was trying to send you a message. You've always seen them younger because when people go to heaven, they go into their younger state. That's just how it is, because there's no death cycle at work. Praise God. So this glorified body you're going to get is going to be even more awesome than I thought when I first started teaching it. Like I told you last week, I thought it was going to be like Ghost. That movie Ghost, some of you remember that Ghost, when you walk through the walls. <laughs> because I thought that Jesus walked through the walls after he was resurrected when he appeared to his disciples when they were hiding out, afraid. And um, the Lord, when I was reading it, said, you've been preaching that wrong, bro. Read what it says. It said he appeared in their presence. And then it says he disappeared out of their sight. There was no walking through no walls. There were no ghosts. <laughs> so the glorified body will be able to appear and disappear. Ooh, anybody excited about that? I know Pastor Fabian is excited about that. I know I am. I'm going to be appearing disappearing on Pastor Josh. Like what? Bah, I'm gone. People are like, what happened to him? I'm going to drop some, some rap lines. And, I'm out. I'm good. <laughs> Yo, this is better than a mic drop. Can you imagine saying something really slick? and I'm gone. Yo, I'm out. They're like, Yo, what happened? He disappeared. Yo, that's going to be so much fun. Glory to God. So the Bible says that the Holy Spirit living in you is your guarantee that this is going to happen. Come on, somebody. So I'm giving you a supernatural seal. I'm giving you my spirit to show you that you're going to have a glorified body one day. It's a beautiful thing. A lot of people are excited about heaven. And that's beautiful. But you realize heaven is God's home? So I got something else to tell you. You ready for some more revelation? Hey, we're just chilling, man. Amen. Amen. The Jehovah Witness got it kind of right. Anybody hear the real Jehovah Witness? Nah. <laughs> You're going to be in heaven forever. A lot of people don't want to hear. They're like, what? You're not going to be in heaven forever. 
You're going to have access to heaven, but you'll not be in heaven forever. The Bible says there's going to be a new heaven and a new what? The earth for the animals. It's for the plant, it's for the, the plant kingdom. For dinosaurs? No, it's for you. David had a revelation of this in the book of Psalms. He says, the heavens are the Lord's. The earth he has given to the children of men. This is your house. This is your home. I know what Jesus said. In my father's house are many mansions. And I go to prepare a place for you. So you have your mansion in heaven and your mansion on earth. Come on, somebody. Or perhaps the mansion that's made for you in heaven will come down to earth. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The Bible doesn't tell, necessarily tell us which one. I really take, I take the mansion in heaven and on earth. <laughs> but you'll be able to go to heaven, but heaven is not your eternal home. The earth is. That's why the Bible says he's going to renovate the earth, not destroy the earth. It says he's going to make all things new. Why? So you can live on this planet without demons in the air. All demonic activity is going to be gone. You're going to never feel stress. You're going to never worry. There'll never be an anxiety. It's going to be a perfect planet like he intended before Adam and Eve sinned. And you're going to have a glorified body in that state. Hallelujah. Aren't you excited about that? I know I am. So he says, I have a guarantee, my spirit. He lives inside of you forever, and you're going to have a glorified body forever. The Bible says we're going to have a body fashioned like Jesus. He has a glorified body. Did you guys know that? Did anybody know that? Yeah. The Father doesn't have a glorified body. He is spirit. But he gave Jesus a body. It was prophesied that you have, a, you have prepared a body for me. And I will come in the volume of your book. So the Messiah has a glorified body. There's no blood in Jesus' body now. There was when he was walking the earth, but all that blood is on the mercy seat. And Jesus has a flesh and bone body. And this is why Paul says in Ephesians 5 that we're bone of his bone and what? Flesh of his flesh. Now let me say something so you won't sound dumb. It, it, no, you, you, don't, you don't want to sound dumb, right? Somebody say, I don't want to sound dumb. So teach us, Pastor, bring us that revelation knowledge. I'm a little bit of a perfectionist. i got to fix my jacket. <laughs> I don't like things out of order. Okay. <laughs> don't say that the blood of Jesus is flowing in my veins. It's very charismatic, very Pentecostal, but very erroneous. The blood of Jesus is not flowing in your veins. The blood of Jesus is on the mercy seat. What's flowing in your veins is your blood. <laughs> this is why you need teachers, because a lot of weird stuff gets in. Can you just, just take for a moment, because I know some of you probably said it. The blood of Jesus is flowing through my veins. No, it's not. I have royal blood flowing through me. Yeah, your blood is royal because Jesus made you royal. But it's not his blood flowing through your veins. His blood cleanses you from your sin. But people have this imagination that it goes through my body and cleanses. No. It means your record is expunged of your sins. There's no blood of Jesus in your veins. It's your human blood. And all of his blood is in heaven. Capiche? So please don't say that. I see charismatics saying all the time, the blood of Jesus running through my veins. No, it's not. I think Kenneth Copeland said that too. Wrong. He did actually say it, actually, even recently. He was trying to illustrate a point about the blood covenant. The blood covenant is when there was a mingling of blood. Anybody remember that? In the old times, there were mingled blood. So Kenneth Copeland tried to use the illustration that our blood is mingled with Jesus. That is not what the Bible teaches. We do have a blood covenant with the Lord.
but it's not because our blood is mingled. Do you know how crazy that sounds? That the blood of Jesus is mingled with your blood. That's not true. The Bible never teaches that. His blood is on the mercy seat for you, but it's not mingled with you. The Bible says this. You're not, the Bible says we are the, all the human races of one what? Anybody know the Bible? One blood. In Acts 17, anybody remember that? So we all come from one blood, Adam, Adam's blood. The Bible never says you're one blood with the Lord. What did it say? You're one spirit with him. You're one what? Spirit with the Lord. You're not one blood. You guys understand? It's very important that you understand this. So can I plead the blood? Yes, plead the blood. Plead the blood over your life. You plead in the blood of Jesus. Amen. His blood is holy and by itself. Praise God. So that's just a little theology for you to help you to make you sound smart going to win a church. Ephesians 4.30, we looked up that. Well, verse, first I gave you the definition of the word sealed. It means to stamp with a signet or a private mark for security or preservation, literally or figuratively, by implication to keep secret, to set a seal upon, to stop. All right. Then Ephesians 4.30, Paul says again, and do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. So the Holy Spirit lives inside of you. And if you read the rest of the chapter, he's talking about how you are in your heart, having anger, emotional outbursts, being unkind and all kinds of behavioral things. Before that, he talks about your speech being graceful and imparting grace to the hearers. And in between those two verses, he puts don't grieve the Holy Spirit. So improper speech and improper behavior grieves the Holy Spirit. Amen? That's why the Bible talks a lot about your words and your behavior so the Holy Spirit can enjoy living inside of you. There's a lot of believers, the Holy Spirit doesn't enjoy living inside of them. Praise God. He loves you, but he wants to enjoy living inside of you by you living righteously, by you living holy, by you being godly in your character and in your speech. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Now, I asked you a question last week of why does, <clears throat> why do you seal something? And what was the answer we came to? Because something is what? Valuable. Everybody say it. Valuable. So I say, I'm valuable. valuable. The proof is that I'm sealed. If it wasn't valuable, God wouldn't seal you. He wouldn't put his signet on you. He wouldn't stamp you with his spirit if you didn't mean anything. Jesus said to his disciples before the cross, before the spirit of God was living inside of them, that you are more valuable than the birds. He actually asked a question. Are you not more valuable than the birds? King James, I know I can do this all the time because I, I remember the King James. Are you not better than the birds? New King James is valuable. So you're better and you're more valuable than the animal kingdom. And the point he was trying to make is that the birds are taken care of and they'll go crazy about their provision. So he's saying to them, why are you worrying about what you're going to eat, what you're going to wear, and where you're going to live? Look at the birds. He says, look at the flowers. He says, they're, they're better clothed than King Solomon. Now, when I first read that, I said, uh, Jesus, I don't think so. <laughs> you know, that's how I am. And he's like, yeah, it is so. If I say it is so. He says, they look better than how King Solomon wore those robes. And I was like, wow. He says, so they don't toil nor spin. They don't get bent out of shape over anything. And so if you're more valuable than the birds, you're more valuable than, this, than these uh, plants, why are you worried about anything? Somebody say, I refuse to worry. When you worry and have anxiety and walk in fear, you reduce who you are. You are accusing his faithfulness. You're saying God is not faithful. You're saying, I don't mean that much to the Father. 
you're saying God is a liar. That's why worrying is a sin. That's why being fearful is a sin. Because it's indicating things that are contrary to the word. Amen. So somebody say, I'm not going to worry. I'm not going to be afraid. I'm not going to be full of anxiety. Philippians 4, 6 says, be anxious for what? Over my kids. Is your kids part of nothing? Hello, somebody. Does your kids now got a special category for worry? I don't care what you said. Well, you better care what he said. Be anxious for what? Nothing. Oh, they're trying to fire me for my job. And? First of all, if God don't want you to fire you, they ain't going to fire you. Secondly, if they do fire you, so what? Get another job. If you've made, if you're afraid of getting fired from your job, and you're like, oh my goodness, I don't want to do. You've made your job an idol. God is to be worshipped alone, not a stupid job. They ain't even paying you that much anyway. Oh, I get paid good, Pastor. You think 70000 is good? You think 100000 is good? Please. Okay, it's nice, but it ain't great. Now you paying me $100 million, now we're talking. That's good, man. You rocking it. Unless you pay me $100 million, get out of my face. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Increase your value in your thinking. Increase your value in your heart. The word of God says you are more valuable than the birds of the air. And by the way, there's billions of birds. Come on, somebody. I'm preaching real good. This is a great review. Because we haven't got to the stuff for today. Where'd you get this from? Fred Price? He would spend like mad, like man, like a half an hour reviewing last week's message. So that's where I got that habit from. And when I get into my teaching mode, I do that. It's all on purpose. Why? Because what we're doing is we're doing what Peter said. I'm going to stir up your pure mind. I'm going to bring you to remembrance. Sometimes preaching, preaching is very inspirational. So preaching is about, yo, yo I hit it. I'm going to hit it next week again. I'm going to hit it next week again with different stuff. Teaching is different. It's information and a little inspiration. Preaching is mostly inspiration. T.D. Jake style. Brand new sermon. Everybody shouting. Hey, praise God. Well, y'all be shouting on this teaching too, man. I'm the, I'm the, I'm the other side of T.D. Jakes, the teaching side. Come on now. Come on, so, 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 so get excited. Celebrate. Oh, man, y'all, y'all messed it up, man. We need an organ and we need y'all jumping like at T.D. Jakes Church, man, okay? Yo, that's some crazy teaching, Pastor. Yay! Come on. All right. We looked at Galatians 4, 6 to 7. And because you are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into your what? Hearts. Crying out, Abba, Father. Therefore, you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. And that led me to the second point. That we are celebrating that God is your father forever. So the first point is that we're celebrating the permanent presence of the Holy Spirit. And the second point is we're celebrating that God is your father forever. And so we went into this and we talked about the father's wound. I'm going to review that real quick. We talked about that many people on the planet are experiencing a father's wound. Um, and that, can, that comes because of neglect, absence, abuse, control, or withholding. Those are the five things that creates this father's wound. Now, we did acknowledge there's a mother's wound, but we're not talking about that now. Some people have been very damaged by their mother. It's not Happy Mother's Day for every kid. <laughs> yes. Yes, I can repeat the first and second. You were talking about the causes of the father's wound? Talking about the points? All right. Don't be raising your hand in my church again. No, I'm joking. <laughs> we're celebrating the permanent presence of the Holy Spirit. And number two, we're celebrating that God is your father forever. So we talked about the causes of the father's wound. And there's a lot of people, maybe you're one of them, you have some friends um, who 
or family members who have been wounded by their father. And one of the ways that you heal the father's wound is by receiving the heavenly father's love, acceptance, blessing, and affirmation. So God has speaking a lot of blessing and affirmation over you through his word, and you're healed by that. I really believe people like Joseph Prince came with his wave of grace. Now, some people got really weird with it, but people like him came with the wave of grace because God wanted his people to feel the Father's heart. There's a, way, there's a lot of, see, when you look at the body of Christ, not people stuck in their denomination and their one way of doing things and their one way of preaching. I mean, you got churches still preaching on holiness. I mean, like this is 21st century. We got to preach on holiness. We preach on holiness. We're talking about the old school way. How you wearing? How you dressing? Like, come on, bro. We, we all passed that. Now, modesty is important, but y'all preaching that week after week after week? Come on, bro. What's going on here? There's so much word to preach. Y'all talking about traditional things that don't matter. You got people like, what's that guy that's like on the internet all the time? I'm like, bro, do something else. Um, he's, he, he's a part of the apostolic faith. What's his name again? Avi knows him. Um, uh, uh, forgot his name. He complains about every preacher. He talks about this one. He talks about that one. I'm like, is that the preaching of the gospel? And people are shouting, amen, that's right. Mad people in there. I'm like, okay, y'all lost it. There's waves of the Holy Spirit that come. And one of the waves that came was teaching, because God wanted his people to be informed. There was a wave of healing that came right after the World War II, because God wanted people healed. Then there's a wave, the charismatic wave came in the like, 60s and 70s, where all denominations, Catholics, Methodists, Presbyterian, everybody was getting filled with the Holy Spirit. It was called the charismatic renewal. And then you had a wave of the word of faith, you know, teaching, teaching on prosperity, health and wealth, gospel as they call it. And then um, there was this wave of joy that came. Where people were laughing in the spirit in churches. Some people didn't receive it. And remember, every part of the body of Christ doesn't receive everything that comes. So there's this wave of laughter that came, mad mega services, people laughing in the spirit, all that kind of stuff. I've experienced it. Some of you have experienced it. Then a wave of the prophetic came. Prophetic, prophetic has always been there, but it's like this big wave of the prophetic movement came. And out of that came Patricia King, Todd Bentley, all these different kind of people, Bobby Connor. And then there was this wave of grace that came and settled. And that's still riding. And there's other ways it's coming. And the reason why is because God, by his spirit, the Holy Spirit is a senior partner of the church. And Jesus, by his spirit, is actually bringing aspects of God's character and love to the body of Christ. And so it's very important that we flow with the spirit and how he's doing. Every church, every movement has a different emphasis, but we all need to flow with the Holy Ghost. There's different what we call streams in the body of Christ. And, they, and they're all, in their purest form, represent a part of him. Amen? Everybody's not going to preach grace like Creflo Dollar and Joseph Prince, though they want them to. Everybody's not going to preach faith like Kenneth Copeland, though they want them to. Everybody's not going to be in the prophetic and prophesying every Sunday like some people want them to. There's different streams and waves. Amen? And we thank God for all of them. But one of the things that you have to understand is that there's always this wave where God wants the people to know how much he loves them as their father. And it started with Jesus. When Jesus came, he reintroduced to Israel that God is your father. He's not just Lord God Almighty. He's not just Yahweh. He's not just um, Elohim. He's not just El Shaddai. He's not just the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He's not the God of the law and the God of Moses. He's your father. So you see in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, especially in Matthew, he always said, Father, 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 Father. When he said, Jesus had to pray, he said, Our Father, who is in heaven. He said, If you being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more, how much what? Shall your Father in heaven give good things to those who what? Ask him. He says, Your Father knows you have need of all these things, but you must what? Ask him. Those that worship the Father, 
God is spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. He said, why? Because the Father is seeking such to worship him. Jesus talked about the what? Father. So if you have a broken heart because your father wasn't there, or your father was abusive, or your father neglected you, Jesus is healing your heart. I think Joyce Myers is a beautiful example, a powerful example of beauty for ashes. She actually wrote a book about it because she was abused sexually by her father for many years. It's one thing to be used one time. Can you imagine being sexually abused for many years? My Lord, thank God you're not in a nut house. That can drive you crazy. And so God rescued her. God lifted her up through her pain. He healed her. He even challenged her when she felt she had an excuse to be angry and to be um, pitiful. And so the Lord said to her, you have a choice. You can be powerful or pitiful. Choice is yours. And she chose powerful. She's one of the most premier ministers and has been for over 20 something years, maybe 30 years, because she chose the healing instead of the bitterness. And look at what the, and look how the, the Lord slapped the devil in the face. I mean, slapped him in the face. Said, you're trash, you're nothing, you're a dog. At the end of her dad's life, the Lord, she led him to Christ. And the Lord said, water baptize him. Even her husband was like, whoa, I don't think so. And then she was like, this is really the Lord. The Lord was showing the power of forgiveness, the power of healing in a glorious way. And that's a picture of Joyce Meyer. She didn't have a real close relationship with her mom and dad. She took care of them, but she water baptized them. They weren't at dinners and stuff, but she water baptized him before he died and went to the Lord to heaven. Isn't that powerful? He even got to experience forgiveness, and now God is his father forever. Hallelujah. The Lord knows how to do it. Amen. Praise God. All right. I gave you some scriptures that were beautiful. There's more. I quoted some, but this is ones that I quoted to you. I read to you. 2 Corinthians 6, 18. I will be a father to you, and you shall be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. Hebrews 13, 5. Let your conduct be without covetousness. Be content with such things as you have. For he himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So you can deal all the absentee things. You have to fill that with the Father God. So we may boldly say, we may what? Boldly say. You know our kids who are like daddy's girls or, or daddy's boys, they, or they're bold. My dad will beat your dad. My dad's going to do this. And the Bible says we should be like that. The Lord is my helper. I will not fear. I will not what? Because it, fear is saying I don't have a father. You know, those people who have strong fathers, they're not really afraid. My dad will come and do something to you. They're not afraid of teachers. They're not afraid of the friends because they have fathers who are strong. See, Christopher's not afraid, right? You got a big dad. You're like, yo, I know you're in class saying what to your friends about your dad. That my dad is big, right? He'll beat you up, right? Have you ever said that to your friends? Have you? No, I'm not going to offend people. You're going to offend people? Bro, is that about? Are you crazy? We can't work with how about offending people. Are you crazy? No, I'm not crazy. What you got to do is you got to tell them, my dad will do this, my dad will do that. You never did that before? Yeah. I know you did because I heard the story that you did it before. Don't be trying to mess up my sermon, man. <laughs> what did you say before about your dad to your friends? He said, he said, one time this guy said he, that he wants to fight me. He said, I'm not going to fight you. My dad will beat you up. You see, he had confidence in his father's stature, his size, his strength, his ability. He wasn't afraid. That's how we have to be with our father God. Amen. To the devil, my dad will beat you up. Amen. A negative doctor's report, my dad will beat you up. Amen. The theology that has ran through the body of Christ that sometimes God wants you to be sick is so demonic. It's very demonic. People don't even know how demonic it is. 
Jesus, who is the epitome of the will of God, who was God in the flesh, came healing and delivering people from sickness and disease, all kinds of sickness and disease. But we have a theology now, oh, listen, God may want to teach you a lesson. I don't see that nowhere in the Gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John. I don't see that nowhere in the book of Acts. So what are people preaching? A false gospel. What good news is there that God wants to make me sick? So now, now, now this is, now this is how, you, how you know people are talking out there, but <laughs> sorry to be so frank. If you believe that God is teaching you a lesson and wants you to be sick, you are a hypocrite if you go to the doctor. Let God teach you his lesson. <laughs> Stay sick. So how are you preaching against healing, but then you're telling your members to go to the doctor? That makes no sense. Does that make sense? No. Tell you, when you hear this stuff, use your head. See, that, that really don't make no sense. You don't believe in speaking in tongues, but you're going to a heaven that you've never seen. Okay. You don't believe in speaking in tongues, but you believe in angels that you can't see. We have to think. Somebody say, I'm a thinker. Man, I can't wait to get my platform bigger. I'm going to be dicing and slicing everybody's theology. They're like, who is this guy? Your worst nightmare. There's a lot of good going on, don't get me wrong. But there's a lot of foolishness in the body of Christ that has to be uprooted. Some people are doing it good, but we need more people doing it. Okay, there's a scripture I didn't give you last week. I'm going to give you this week, and then we're going to move on to the new stuff. First Chronicles 29.10. This is David blessing the Lord after he's about to go off the scene, and he's setting his son up to build the temple, Solomon. And they give all this money. His leaders give money. He gives money. Read 1 Corinthians 29. It's really amazing. And he begins his praise. And he says, Therefore David blessed the Lord before all the assembly. And David said, Blessed are you, Lord God of Israel, our Father forever and ever. Now they weren't born again. And they really, God wasn't really their father like how he is under the new covenant to us. But as a nation, he said, Israel is his firstborn. And so he's their father as a nation. He's their progenitor. Um, and so David was acknowledging that. Even in the new covenant, he knew that he was the Lord God. But I knew also, you're our father forever and ever. And that's how you have to see God the Father. He's my father forever and ever. God is never going to turn away from you. He's never going to throw you away. He's never going to be so mad at you and say, I'm done with you. Some fathers have done that. God will never. Which brings me to point number three, or a new point for today. We're celebrating that God has set you before his face forever. He has what? Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor. <laughs> yeah, wake up, Pastor Josh. I'm <laughs> falling asleep in my church, man. We're celebrating, say, say neighbor. God has set you before his face forever. Now, do you know how, how, how much of a big deal that is? Do you know how much of a big deal that is? You ever seen a relationship between a child and a parent, and the parent's like, I don't want to see you no more. You can't come to my house no more. Anybody ever heard about that or seen that? Or you'll say, parent will be like, I don't want to see your face. Go to your room. Anybody ever did that to their kid before? Or heard somebody do that before? Yeah, I see some heads like, yeah. Go to your room. I don't want to see your face right now. Really, you don't want them to see your face. You're not having favor towards the person. You ever seen any of those movies where a, a, a subject comes before a king in his court and the king is angry and what does he do? They put a bag over the person's face 
Anybody ever seen that in the movies before? Anybody ever seen that in the movies before? And then they take the person out and put them in prison? Do you know the, the story of Joseph when he was in prison? Who was, also, who was also in prison? The king's butler and the king's what? He was displeased with them. And what did he do? He threw them in prison. Why? Because you are not going to be before my face. Because to be before my face is a place of honor. I'm no longer honoring you, so you go to the prison. You go to the dungeon. I don't want to see your face, and you won't see my face. David is saying this. He's a king, and he understands that God is a king. And he's saying, you have set me before your face forever. Now, if you read the whole Psalm 41, Psalm 41 is a song of David where he's talking about his sickness. He is sick in this particular psalm and also his enemies who betrayed him, people who sat with him, they betrayed him. So he's not in a very good space, as we would say, but he's saying that even though I'm not in a very good space naturally, I'm still set before your face. You still favor me. You still have your eyes on me. As Charles Spurgeon said, you, you still have me under divine surveillance. To be before the face of God means that he favors you forever. That you're not going to be moved from this place. Other English translation says, you have set me in your presence forever. I like face better, but presence forever. You're in the very presence of God. That's why Paul says, let us come what? Come what? Because he's our father forever, because we've been set before him. When I see the scripture, I think of Deuteronomy 30, um, 19, when God said to Israel, I've set before you what? Life and death, blessing and cursing. I've what? Set before you. Which means this, is that I've called heaven as a witness. Which means that right now we're living in what Avi Hilliard, Bishop Avi Hilliard, Apostle Avi Hilliard calls um, the life and death choice. So you always have a choice of life or death. You always have a choice of blessing or what? Cursing. So just like if that's a set thing in the planet right now, because of the fall of man, God is saying what's set is you being before me. What's set is that you're before my face. I'm always looking at you. Amen. That's exciting, right? Now, this scripture also gives me what I, I was going to say this. It gives me John 10 vibes. <laughs> John 10 vibes. Yeah, sometimes I can see one scripture, then my mind will go to another scripture. Does anybody know what John 10 is about? The sheep and their good shepherd. Go with me to John 10. This wasn't in my notes, but this is going to bless you. John 10. Somebody say, John 10. Come on, guys, we're going to have some fun. Y'all acting a little dead up in I know this teaching is crazy good. And you're like mesmerized. Whoa, my God. But have some fun too, man. John 10. Yeah, you got to do it though. I said it. John 10. Okay, this is what Jesus said. He said, um, let me see, he said a lot. Uh, the sheep hear his voice, knows the sheep. Let's go to the what I call the eternal security part. Okay. Um, let's go to verse 27. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them. I what? Come on. And they follow me. And I give them eternal life. That's life forever. Come on. And they shall never perish. 
neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. My father who has given them to me is greater than all. And no one is able to snatch them out of my father's hand. I and my father are one. The reason why under the new covenant, we can take what David said and apply it to ourselves that I'm forever before you is because we're in the father's hand. And no one can snatch you out of Yahweh's hand. No one can snatch you out of Elo Elohim's hand. No one can take you from before him, not even the devil or demons. You have to understand that. You have to recognize that, that I'm that secure. That no one can snatch. You know what snatch means? That means pluck out. That means pull out. It can't happen. Somebody said it can't happen. Yeah. Now the devil lies to you and makes you believe that he can do it. Right. Right. You know I'm going to get you. <laughs> you know I'm coming for you. You should be like, Nick, come on. You ain't getting through this wall. Amen. Amen. You really going to go up to the Father and take him out of, out of, out of my hand? You really going to praise the God and say, I'm taking this one? No. Not going to happen. Not going to happen. Now watch this. It's very interesting. Oh man, this revelation is flowing like a river. Jesus said something very interesting to Peter and his other disciples. He said, Peter... Satan has asked for you. King James says he has desired you. It means asked for you. That he may sift you like wheat. But I have prayed for you. That your faith would not fail. And when you are converted, strengthen your brothers. That was under the old covenant. Jesus didn't go to the cross. Jesus' blood wasn't on the mercy seat. Jesus wasn't our high priest and mediator between God and man. Do you think Satan can go and ask for us anymore? That's over. So they're going to rightly divide the word of truth. He can't go before the Father and say, yo, I want him. And God's going to say, uh, that's too bad. He's mine. You can't have him. Hello, somebody. Now, what can Satan do? Accuse you. Oh, look at what he's doing. So he's going to use your behavior against you and say, you're righteous judge. They're living unrighteously. you got to Get them. But he can no longer say, I want them. Because you don't belong to him no more. Come on, somebody, shout about that. Amen. You belong to the Lord. You are his possession. He purchased you. Come on, somebody. That's why when you live right, we've all been there. When we've done wrong, we've done right. When you live holy and you live right, there's this confidence you walk in. There's this strength you feel like, yo, I'm good. And Jesus back you up. Yep, yep, you're good, man. <laughs> Hallelujah. Because you're walking your true character. Somebody say, I'm set before the Lord. Another thing I want to bring out about this is that what David said, he said, you have set me before your face forever. You have set me before your face forever. Can you set yourself before a king? No. Yes or no? no? You have to be invited in. Am I right? Not only have you been invited in, you've been summoned in. God put you there. Do you realize that? When I was looking at the scripture and I'm meditating upon it, the scripture that I love so much, Revelations, came to me where it says that Jesus Christ loved us. Somebody say loved us. 
wash us from our sins, cleaned us up. And then verse 6 of Revelation 1 says, and, may, and has made us kings and priests to his God and Father, to whom be glory forever and ever. Do you realize that Jesus made you something you cannot make yourself? The Bible says that we were in sin, that the Father made us alive together with Christ, right? What does it say? Made us alive together with Christ. Raised us up together with him. And here's the next one. Made us sit together with him in the heavenly places. What is that saying? You know that word made means something. You couldn't do it yourself. Could you forgive your own sins? Could you make yourself spiritually alive? Could you raise yourself up from the dead? Can you make yourself sit in heavenly places? What's the answer? Who did it? Somebody say, God did it. Say, God did it. And because he did it, it's permanent. It's forever. This is why when it's church, now, there's going to be a uh, rocker for some of you. We don't use the word backsliding. You never see me give a call for backsliders. Because in the New Covenant, there's no such thing as backsliding. You're either living spiritually or you're living carnally. You're either saved or you're not. That's it. If you're saved, you can be a carnal Christian or a spiritual Christian. That's it. You can't be a backslider. Now, I understand the concept of backsliding. It's an old covenant concept. The Bible says that Israel was perpetually backsliding, always messing up, always this. Always. But in the new covenant, your position is different. Somebody say it's different. You're the Holy Spirit living inside of you. You're the temple of God. You're set before him forever. He's your father forever. It's totally different. So the only thing we do here, we have altar calls for salvation. Now, if you are a uh, uh, um, uh, carnal Christian, one lives by your flesh, or you're, or you're still a baby Christian, you need to get into the Word and pray. I've seen many churches call for, because for, they want the, the altar to look big, so they call, if you, if you felt like you've not been with the Lord, come to the altar. No, come on, stop. Tell them to go home, go pray, and get with the Lord, and grow spiritually. That's it. The altar is if you want to come down and want to like rededicate or whatever, but you don't have to rededicate your life. You belong to the Lord. Now, I'm telling you what that comes out of. That comes out of the theology that when you got born again, you made a decision for Jesus, and you did. Southern Baptist concept, and you did. But when you got born again, it wasn't just a decision for Jesus. It was a supernatural act that happened. The Holy Spirit came inside of you and gave you a brand new spirit. Literally, you're brand new on the inside. And he lives inside of you. And so, if you're saved, and let's say you're living in sin, or you are a carnal Christian, the Holy Spirit didn't say, yo, bro, you're living in sin, I ain't being with you. I'll see you later. Peace, I'm out. That's not happening. But some theology has made us think that those kind of thoughts. When you got born again, the Holy Spirit said, I'm here to live inside of you forever. There was a, a young person who came to Pastor Patrick um, and said, um, I'm living in sin and I need help to get out. But this was very interesting what the person said. They said, after I sin, I don't feel good. You know why you don't feel good? Why, 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 why that young person didn't feel good? Because they're born again. They're going against their nature. They're going against righteousness and they don't feel good. They're grieving the Holy Spirit inside. Amen. They step before the Lord and the Lord is like, yo, bro, what are you doing? You're set before him forever. You're before the face of God forever. He's never going to turn his face from you. I remember one time, I don't know what I was doing. I probably wasn't doing something so good. <laughs> and I had a dream and I saw the face of Jesus. Oh, what do you look like? It's not really that important, but I will say, and people have, who have seen Jesus in their dreams, they said either, either they've seen green eyes or they've seen brown eyes. I saw him, he had green eyes. And he was just looking at me. 
He wasn't smiling or frowning. He was just looking at me. I know what the dream was about. Like, bro, get your act together, man. You ain't, I'm not going nowhere. You ain't going nowhere, but, yo, this is, let me get yourself together. But he was just looking at me, just like this. Straight face. You know how you look at your kids? Straight face. He's just looking at me, just like that. And boom, he's gone. You're before the Lord's face forever. He's looking at you. You're under divine surveillance. He's taking care of you. He's smiling at you. He wants to help you. If you're in a situation now that you need to get out of, the Lord will get you out of it because you're before him. He told Abraham, walk before me and be blameless. But you know, under the new covenant, he's still saying, walk before me and be blameless. But this is what he did under the new covenant. He actually made you blameless. There's a scripture, and I'm about to end, in Ephesians chapter 1, that says he chose us in Christ before the foundation of the world. So before Adam and Eve sinned, before there was a need for salvation and redemption, God said, I'm going to choose you in Christ before I even start the planet. So I already know what's going to happen, and I'm going to create a plan for man. And the Bible says we're chosen in him so that we can be before him. And the Bible says he made us holy and what? Blameless before him. And the Bible says in love. They're actually in the Greek language. The in love is for the next verse. In love, he, made, he, he adopted us. So, but he made us holy. He said, it says so that we might be blameless. That might be doesn't mean that. So we could be. It's just the way they talk. But it's actually he made us holy and blameless before him. Anybody remember that verse? I looked it up. I used some Greek scholars, Kenneth Weiss, New Greek New Testament. Very powerful when you break it down. And the Bible is saying that you're literally before the face of God. As a believer, he sees you holy and blameless. He sees you, watch this, perfect. We know you don't always live perfect lives, but how he sees you is very different than sometimes how you're living. Come on, somebody. Amen. He sees you. Somebody say, he sees me. Mm, man, time is gone. But I got, I got something I want to bring to you. Okay, so I'm going to share something with you, then, then we're done, that I've never heard a preacher preach before. Now, it's preached a little bit, like through Joseph Prince and stuff. But I've been saved since I was 14. I never in my life heard any preacher share the scripture that I'm going to share with you. One day I was reading the book of Hebrews, and I was like, uh, I haven't heard that preached, ever. And then now you hear it preached a little bit. Um, go with me. To Hebrews, talking about celebrating forever. We're celebrating that God has set you before His face forever. We want to add another one. Number four, we're celebrating being perfected forever. Amen. Hebrews seven twenty eight says this: For the law, Paul's talking about the law, Hebrews, and how it relates to the new covenant. He says, For the law appoints as high priests men who have weakness. But the word of the oath, which came after the law, appoints the Son, talking about Jesus, the Son of God, who has been what? Perfected forever. Are y'all reading it with me? Hebrews 7.28. He has been appointed, the Son, who has been what? Perfected forever. Now that's nice for Jesus. What about us? Hebrews 10.14. For by one offering, talking about his death on the cross, he, Jesus, has perfected forever those who are being sanctified. Perfect language. For by one offering, he has perfected forever those who are being sanctified. 
The Bible says that we are sanctified. The Bible says that we are being sanctified. There's always a duality. But the Bible says that Jesus is perfected forever. The Bible says as he is, so are we in this world. And the Bible says that now you are perfected what? Forever. Not you're going to be perfected when you get to heaven. It says you're perfected right now. Ingrid, you're perfected forever. Does anybody know what that means? <laughs> Does anybody know what that means? It says Jesus has been perfected forever. Now it says because of what he did on the cross, we are perfected forever. Does anybody know what it means? Oh, I like that. He looks at you through a what? Different lens. God sees you as perfect. Does the Father see Jesus as perfect? Guess what? He sees you as what? But Pastor Maurice, uh, I'm not perfect. Oh, we know. In your lifestyle, you're not perfect. That's why it says he's perfected forever. Those who are what? Being sanctified. God knows you're in process of changing your behavior and living up to the standards he has called you to live up to, but he's already made you perfect. So in other words, God is already meeting you at the finish line. In the mind of God, you're already finished. And you're just on a journey. And he's like, come on, hurry up. So what does that mean? That means you should stop saying what the world says. I'm not perfect, but... The Bible says, actually, you are perfect in the sight of God. I know what people are trying to say, but did you notice that every time somebody says something good about themselves or their marriage or their relationship, they always start by, I'm not perfect, but my family is not perfect, but my marriage is not perfect. My kids are not perfect. Why do you have to qualify what's good by saying we're not perfect? Because there's something that's into the culture that tells you you have to, you can't really esteem yourself too high. Bring yourself down a little bit and then say something good. That's not what the Bible teaches. And that's why this hasn't been preached. Because preachers, many times, they still haven't renewed their mind. God says you're perfect. Actually, I did hear somebody say that. I forgot. There's a church I went to when I was in Bible school. The guy said, I was like, what is this guy talking about? <laughs> I did hear it. I was like, okay, I don't know what this guy's talking about. But this is the scripture. You are perfected. You are, this is what the Bible says. You are what? Complete in him. Who is the head of all principality and power. You're not complete in yourself. You're complete in him. So you need to also stop saying, you know, I, you know I, I'm still trying to get there. God ain't finished with me yet. Anybody heard that before? Yeah. Anybody been saying that yourself? God ain't, no, he's finished with you. You're a finished product. He's not working on you no more. God's not working on me no more. No, he's not working on you no more. You're a finished product. The Bible says you're his masterpiece. Do you work on a masterpiece? Anybody still painting the Mona Lisa? It's done, but we're going to ask him more to what he did. Is anybody still doing that? No, all they do is showing it in the, as a showpiece, right? Well, Pastor Maurice, the Bible says that God's working on me. The Bible never says God's working on you. The Bible says that God is at work in you. And there's a difference. He's at work in you, pre, re, helping you to release who you really are. How beautiful you really are. How amazing you really are. How perfect you really are. Come on, somebody. You are perfected forever. So don't um, devalue what God has greatly valued. Don't demean what God has greatly esteemed. Amen? So I says, you think you're all that? Yeah, I do. <laughs> I'm all that because of him. Oh, that's conceded. No, confidence. Confidence in him. So I say this is a new day.
we're celebrating forever. The, the reason why this message is so important for you to study out the word forever in your own time in Bible studies is because the devil doesn't want you to know this. Why? Because he doesn't want you to feel this sense of security. Especially among Pentecostal charismatics, they don't like to use the word eternal security because of the, how the Southern Baptists use it. Now, I'm taking that word back. We are eternally secure. We're good with God. We're okay with God. I've seen some of my former pastors on, on Facebook talking about everybody living in sin, everybody going to hell. Uh, I'm like, nah, bro, you out. You off, man. <laughs> you ain't even doing things. You ain't even preaching right. You are eternally secure. Jesus finished it. He did a great work. Amen? Amen. Aren't you excited about that? Yeah. Hallelujah. Let's celebrate. <laughs>